Welcome to Devoted Family, where we have conversations about faith, family, friends, fitness, and finances. And our foundation for all of these is the Word of God. We hope to encourage, equip, and learn from one another as we put these principles into action. We believe that ministry starts at home, and if each person is faithful in that role, the world will be a very different place. We pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to you through us in today's discussion, and that you would be open to the life that He wants for you and your family. Hello, devoted families. We are so excited that you're joining us today in our podcast about money. Thank you for not leaving after reading that title, <laughs> because this can be a very sensitive topic, but it is also a very important topic that we are excited to talk about. I am Manfred Jeski, and I'm here with my amazing wife, Crystal. That's me. Yep. And we're excited to talk about this, because it's really one of my big passions, um, and, and my wife's as well. It is. And actually, it's funny that you should mention that, because um, because of my husband's incredible passion for finances and being a good steward of God's resources, I actually had the opportunity to teach this, not curriculum, but my notes for this, this teaching at a women's group at our church. And, you know, I had so many people reach out for the information afterwards that we said, you know what, we're going to capture this and share this with people Mm -hmm. um, just so that it's out there. And we actually have the slides for it and everything. So if you want the presentation for this at the end of it, then you can just reach out to us. But and it's funny because Crystal is actually the finance major. And Isn't that ironic? Yes, but <laughs> I have taken a very, very deep interest in, in finances. I would say he's got the street smarts and I got the book smarts in the sense of personal finances, if yes. that makes sense. Yep. If we're talking life, he's also very book smart as well. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, okay, so what are we talking about? Well, um, it actually started with a little story of, well, basically meeting Manfred. So Manfred is the most frugal human that I have ever met. I thought that I was frugal until I met Manfred. So Sometimes to a fault, but uh, we're learning. I would agree with that, but, you know, I would say 90% of the time it's good. So, and I appreciate it. For instance, you know, for his last birthday, he didn't know this, but I signed him up via our family email for like all of the free things at all the restaurants. And we went and had a progressive free dinner. Um, we're not affiliated with Red Robin, but they give you a free burger on your birthday. And it was so, incredible. so we had a free birthday dinner and then I wrote him down, you know, all the things that we didn't do and what it saved and that blessed his heart immensely. So, um, I have the most considerate wife on the planet. I appreciate that, but I don't know how I'm going to top it now because it just needs to be a tradition. But anyway, so, um, but all of this started whenever we were dating. And so I think actually I can, I can say this is, this was such a big deal that you even considered not marrying me because Mm of finances. And I wasn't that bad. Yeah. You were really good in, I would call it typical American standards. And that's really a dangerous thing to put in my mouth. Yeah. Let's not even go there. But I understand what you mean, like Starbucks and all of these things. Speaking of which, Starbucks was a thing that I I, I did. I, I'll admit it. I went to Starbucks. All of you Starbucks people out there, I'm, I'm past recovering one of you. But here's the thing. I do still love my coffee, but my lovely husband here made me a little chart. And um, with the ladies that I was speaking to, I got to ask them what they think that this 
number added up to. So one person, $3 per coffee, five days per week. So before work, I was going and grabbing a coffee, you know, going on to work, um, without with just sparing you all of the details of um, you know interest rates and and how you earn over time but compound interest what do you think that number is over 40 years at eight percent it's just three dollars a day for one person and only five days a week not even seven mm-hmm. and that really shocked some people it was two hundred and one thousand and some change um two hundred one thousand dollars I said okay so that uh, there's your house. Just, and that's just for coffee. <laughs> that's just coffee. So then we said, okay, well, what if we did two people going out to lunch uh, and dinner a few times a week? So we said, okay, practically three lunches maybe, you know, mm-hmm. like if you go during during the week while you're at work, didn't pack your lunch, so you go. I think that's very common. Mm-hmm. Um, two dinners a week. So let's say one in the middle of the week, you pick something up like Chipotle or something, and mm-hmm. then you go out for dinner one night. 40 years, 8%. And then we said, now this would be a marriage thing. So let's look at two people. What what do you think that would be? Yeah. So using about $100 a week, Yeah, spending about $100 a week total for all of that. So just take a minute, get a number in your mind. What do you think it would be? $1.3 million, y'all. So needless to say, I've changed my ways. And I'm very grateful for it <laughs> because it was a big deal um, when we when we talked about this. But I mean that that just shows you, you know, I mean the, the power of obviously compound interest, but more importantly the the power of being being a wise steward of the resources we've been given, you know, um, especially as believers. I mean, those are some big numbers, and that's some very very small actions that that one yeah. takes. And you know, just so that you know, um, and we'll talk about all of this. We actually have a number of points here that if you're a note taker that you can very easily go through this and capture and it's all based on scripture. But, um, you know, it's not that there's anything wrong with going out to eat or with grabbing a coffee Mm -hmm. every once in a while. It really is, okay, the heart behind it. And, you know, are we addicted to this? Are we just kind of going with this? Are we using God's resources as they were meant to be used or is it more of a comfort thing? So all of that, it, there's no black and white is yeah. all that I'm saying. So we really want you want to run you through about 10 points or is this 10 points that, um, yeah. that Crystal Crystal used when, her, when she did her teaching. I put these together for these ladies, but I think that it's good for everyone. So they're incredible. So Well, okay. So if you're taking notes, number one is that it all starts with your heart. First Timothy 6, 17 says, teach those who are rich in this world, not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Mm -hmm. And then first Timothy 6, 10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So I don't know about you, but that is some pretty heavy verbiage there. Mm -hmm. I mean, wandering from the true faith and being pierced with, not just being pierced, piercing themselves with many sorrows. So this is something that is very much self-inflicted. And so just like I just said, it all starts with the heart. And as we know, I mean, that the first Timothy six is often misunderstood, you know, that money is wrong, but 
money is just a tool. It's really loving money and, and prioritizing it mm-hmm. over other things where, where the danger comes in. Mm-hmm. And and I would just challenge you. I mean, look at your life and, and look at your thought life and see what you spend most of your time thinking about, you know, and mm. and if money is one of those, then you should probably consider, hmm, maybe it is an idol in your life, you know? That's good. And, you know, it's really hard to see in your own life. It's a lot like pride. Well, in every other sin, I guess, is, you know, many times hard to see whenever it's something that's internal, especially something in the culture that's so common. So this is where community and being open and having accountability of people close to you who Mm -hmm. can look into your life and say, hey, you know, Crystal, I have noticed that you tend to make these kinds of decisions. And I was just wondering how you're doing in this area. And so that is where, you know, having that accountability it is so crucial, especially in finances. I think that people kind of draw the line on that sometimes. And they say, you know, I think that we just shouldn't go there. Like, oh, that's private. That's that's too far, too much, which is kind of funny. But that is what I think people mm-hmm. do in the church these yeah. days. But that should be fair game. Yeah, no, for sure. That's so good. The second point is that it all belongs to God. We have to understand that we are just stewards. We are not owners of anything. And we are just really stewarding God's resources while we're on earth. You know, once we die, it's going to be gone. And so it's really just a big old test where he's testing us for at least 50 or 100 or 80 years. How do we manage and steward the things that we've been given? Yeah. And so Matthew 25 uh, is the parable of the three servants. And that is whenever the master gives them the talents to steward whenever he's gone. And so it's interesting that the first two that he gives them, they give, he gives them different amounts, but they go and they double the money. The master comes back and says, Hey, you know, you're a good and faithful servant. You doubled my money whenever I I gave that, I entrusted it to you. And the last one just buries it. And he was, it was out of fear and it was out of, um, you know, it was just, you know, he didn't want to lose the money. So one thing that we need to see is that there are expectations and commands around what God gives us. And so in verse 27 of Matthew 25, it says, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. So if we are burying, you know, literally and figuratively, I guess, you know, burying it in the bank, burying it um, in our clothes, in our closet, what God has given to us, then um, we really need to think about, okay, am I investing this in a kingdom perspective and eternal way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, the so, third one yeah. is the fact that we are all extremely wealthy. And if one just looks at the, the global rich list, I mean, if you're, if you're earning $30,000 a year or less, you're in the top 1.2% of the world's richest people. And if we just take it up one notch, I mean, if you make six figures, exactly $100,000 a year, you're in the top 0.08% of the world's wealthiest people. So none of us have any kind of excuse of saying we are not extremely wealthy. Yeah. And the the picture of that is that there are 100 people in line and you are literally the first person in line. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And you know, the kingdom is flipped upside down. So that was one of the biggest things that kind of hit me with this point is that with an upside down kingdom, if the first is last and the last is first, we should be very concerned. That means we are last in line. You know, I mean, it's going to be harder for us. I mean, Jesus says, you know, it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. That should concern us because we are rich. So... Yeah. That is something that we 
really need to consider. Yeah, for sure. So number four is that needs are relative. True need is rare. Luke 3.14 says, what should we do? Ask some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Yeah. And I think, I mean, honestly, on this point, we're going to have to do a whole podcast around what true need really looks like, because this is coming from Africa and living in the U.S., having a German background, you know, and having traveled all over the place. I think we really need to reconsider what true need is. Because a lot of people would say, if I have housing and, and food and maybe clothing, I mean, that's sufficient. But we have made it that we need a lot more things, basic things, you know, just to satisfy our typical needs. Yeah. And so number five, your financial habits significantly impact your marriage. Mm-hmm. And I know that we started this by saying that uh, Manfred almost didn't marry me. And that actually would be a really um, legitimate reason for not marrying someone, right? Um, because that is going to consistently be one of the top arguments across most couples, right? So this magnifies and falsely intensifies other issues. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, living with margin is something that we constantly say that we want to do. So like whenever you're late going somewhere, that if you left with 30 minutes of margin, then maybe the things that made you mad in that moment wouldn't make you as mad. Like if you miss a turn and you have five minutes to get somewhere, your response is going to be different than, oh, we left, you know, 30 minutes ahead of time. Oh, that's okay. Just make a U-turn up here versus like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, we missed the turn. What are we going to do? You're the worst driver. Why didn't you see that? You know, I mean, and there you go. That's how it is with money. And so living with margin, it's like, I mean, we literally just had Manfred's car, like randomly something was in the middle of the road and it popped two of his tires and, mm-hmm. you know, crazy random story. And it's okay. Cause we saved enough to be able to handle yeah. that. And it wasn't as stressful as it could have been. And also it's really important that one has mutual goals and mutual respect around finances mm-hmm. um, because it's a, it's, it's such a sensitive topic. Every single day is, is, is that you're using it. Right. And so another thing that that Crystal really, really appreciated and talked about in her, her talk was this idea of getting educated and the importance that husbands and wives get educated in finances. Mm-hmm. Proverbs fourteen fifteen says, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. And this is so awesome. I mean, this applies to everything. But if you look in with finances, crucial that we do really consider our steps and that we consider our purchases and our spending and our giving and generosity, you know, Mm -hmm. and that that becomes a priority in our life. Yeah. And included in that is just, you know, thinking ahead to avoid problems. So Luke 14, 28 says, which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, Mm -hmm. whether he has enough to complete it. And so kind of part of that mutual respect and mutual goals, as you consider your commitments and just kind of seeing, you know, okay, how much is this going to cost me? How much is this going to, you know, I think that we sign up for things so quickly and then we're like, oh, wait a minute. You know, like we, mm-hmm. we decided that soccer is something that Manfred is going to do because that's, you know, good exercise and it's fun and it's one thing a week. But, you know, if he did that plus another thing, plus another thing, then it's like, it adds up. It yeah. just, it's a lot. So, uh, consider the cost before you make commitments. That's so good. Well, step uh, point number six is creating wealth is biblical. 
And this can be a very controversial point, and I think we can write a book on this, and we probably should do another podcast on this specifically. Yeah, we will expand on um, probably a lot of these, actually. <laughs> yes, but in Proverbs 13.22, it says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. So, I mean, there's so much theology and, and discussions in this single verse, but I think the key point that we want to come across with and, and talk about here is really that it is good stewardship to steward your resources wisely and that you use the talents that you've been given. I mean, if you look at that, the story of the, of the talents, the, the two who used their money, they actually multiplied it. And it's, it's like making disciples. I mean, we're supposed to be growing and multiplying instead of just being stagnant and dying. Mm. And so same thing with, with wealth is we're supposed to be using it and leveraging it for the kingdom. Yeah. And we mentioned this earlier that, you know, money isn't evil in its own. It's amoral. Mm-hmm. So um, I really love the picture of how the Lord preserved this message for us of, hey, you know what? These are the two who I said are faithful and they're the ones who multiplied what I gave them. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you, you know, wanted this or you wanted that, or it's not, you know, it, it's about what at the end of the day have you used this for, for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but Proverbs 31, 16 and 18, 16 through 18 says she goes to inspect a field and buys it with her earnings. She plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night and ladies, this is I know the perfect woman passage, but it's really amazing to me that the Lord preserved that for us. So something that I kind of threw in here, uh, just, you know, whenever I was speaking to a room full of women was, okay, so what can we do to generate wealth, you know, and not just generate wealth, but, you know, to contribute into our family. That's a way to respect your husband, actually. I Mm -hmm. think that that's a way to really bring joy and just know that you, because many, many of them were stay-at-home moms, actually. And so just considering, okay, well, what can you do to just show that, hey, you know what? I am aligned with you in these goals. And even, you know, scripture supports, you know, that it's good to kind of have your own side gig, I know that's silly sounding, but... Well, because, I mean, then we can talk about the whole idea of how work is biblical and how hard work Mm -hmm. is really what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, God designed us to work and be productive and and generate and create. You know, that's how how God designed our minds and brains to think. I think that that'll take a whole nother conversation talking about just biblical entrepreneurship and economics, you know, and... That is wealth right creation up your alley. And capitalism, you know, <laughs> and, and how those all, you know, kind of intermingle. But instead, we'll go on to point number seven, yes. which is it's better to give than to receive. And Acts 20 verse 35 says, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So it's hard to combat that whenever the point is what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. Um And so we just have to believe him. You know, I think that many times we, it's like we get tastes of that whenever we have a gift that we're really, really excited for someone that we love to open. And we we just have little tastes of it. But yet I think that in larger areas in our life, we don't really trust God's word. And Mm -hmm. at least I don't, I mean, I struggle with that, you know? And, and honestly, this is not just finances. This is also with your time, you know, being generous with your time and, Mm -hmm. and investing in people. And as we all know, it is, it is so joyful when you get to give someone, you know, a present and when you get to invest in someone, and you see his life completely transform, you know, I mean, that's just, those are some of the sweetest moments in life. Yeah. 
so there's a lot to be said about how generosity is is probably one of the more important things that Jesus talked about. But point number eight says small changes breed big financial strides. And this is awesome. And I'm so proud of my wife, man. She's a rock star for <laughs> for giving this this talk. Proverbs 13 verse 11 says wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. And I shouldn't say this, but honestly, Warren Buffett is a great example because he was not one of the greedy people initially who just decided, man, over the long haul, 50, 80 years, you know, what can one do? Investing, value investing, long-term investing, you know? Mm-hmm. And and as believers, our time horizon, of an, our investment horizon, right, really is eternal, eternity, right? I mean, if, if we think about it a little bit differently, I mean, this is obviously focused on finances, but the same principle applies in life, you know, investing in someone's life, you know, mm-hmm. that, that'll reap eternal fruits. And in America, we have very few legitimate excuses to not be able to to do a good job at this. Yeah. And so this actually, this point was kind of meant for those who maybe feel a little bit hopeless or feel like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, I mean, if I stop getting a coffee, it's a drop in the bucket. You know, it's not, Mm -hmm. it's like, there's a whole ocean out there of, I mean, is it really going to matter of, you know, my student debt or whatever it is? And the answer is yes, it's going to matter. And it just, you know, those little changes, you will be very surprised. Actually, it's funny, Manfred and I are leading Financial Peace University, actually starting this week at our church. And so it this is exactly what we are talking about with our new couple friends who we're mm-hmm. going to get to meet this week, um, is that, you know what, those little changes, it's amazing the stories that come out of yeah. just making small changes and what do you call it? Long obedience in the same direction. Yep. Yeah. So good. So point number nine is that you are always investing. Do it on purpose. Matthew 619 says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, but, and where thieves break in and steal. And Luke 14, eight says, but don't begin until you count the cost for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it. So that's very similar to the scripture that we read earlier. And so you are always investing, whether that's in people or in, you know, other people, yourself and your future and the kingdom. So all of these things, you're constantly investing. Mm -hmm. So how you spend everything should be well thought out and intentional. And so, yeah. And, and I know there are some out there, some of you who think like me, who are like, wow, that's contradictory. Um, saying you shouldn't store up treasure on earth to creating wealth on earth. And it really isn't because as long as the focus and the emphasis is not on storing and accumulating a lot of money here on earth, it is totally okay. It's just, it really depends on the priority and where your thought life lives, right? Yeah. It goes back to point number one, which was, it's all starting with the heart. It all begins Mm -hmm. with your heart. So, you know, there are very wealthy people who are super godly and there are very, very poor people who are the most joyful, I mean, worshipers that I have ever met. And then there are people in both of those categories who are miserable. Mm -hmm. So I don't even want to make it about happiness because there are people who are very, very happy, but unfortunately they've put all of their hope in something other than Jesus. And that ultimately is storing up your treasure in earth. So the last point, point number 10 is you will have to live differently. And this is tough 
because I'm actually currently writing a book on parts of this where I heavily talk about sacrifice and delayed gratification. DG. That's We a call frequent it DG. thing. Yeah, that's a frequent thing in our household. It is. Because I am convinced that the majority of people don't, don't really <laughs> sacrifice and they don't really want to delay gratification. Those are just two things that, that many, many people struggle with. And I, I was definitely an example of that. And it's it's very tough, in, especially in the United States, where, I mean, we, we have it so well, you know. I mean, life here is very, very easy for the most part and very comfortable. And so it's people are not taught to, to sacrifice, you know, and, and they're not taught to delay, you know, their gratification. They want it instantly. They want it now. Well, that's something that we want to teach Callan is, you know, that we want to provide opportunities to delay gratification, even yeah. if he doesn't need to, even if it's unnecessary, just it is necessary for his character. Mm -hmm. And so first John two, verse 16 and 17 says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. It's so easy to just fall into the trap of the world, right? And desire what everyone around you desires. You know, I mean, they typically mm -hmm. call it keeping up with the Joneses, you know. And yeah, just going along with culture. I mean. And that's that's the whole point here is that if, if one wants to be a, a great steward of your resources, we have to learn how to live countercultural. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to learn to be okay with being uncomfortable. And unpopular. And standing out sometimes. Exactly. You know, and and it's totally okay. I mean. I, I love driving my old little Chevy Impala, you know? It is beautiful, y'all. It's and beautiful. It's not that I that we can't afford a different car. It is a decision that we made that I just love my car, number one. <laughs> and number two, I'm going to try and drive it until I have 400,000 miles on it, you know? And I love that about my husband, that he, he could absolutely go out and buy a new Tesla or whatever car is out there these days but like that he will drive that thing because it's just smart it's mm -hmm. just a wise decision yeah and so romans 12 2 says that we should i mean it most people know this verse but it says do not be conformed to this world you know but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect and this is one of my favorite verses and it i mean it, it really is it is all about transforming our minds to to really think in terms of eternity and in terms of um, eternal investments and what is going to matter in a thousand years versus what's going to matter over the next 10 years, you know, and just transforming our thinking. Yeah. And so, again, you know, just I mean, you will have to live differently. And that I think that sometimes we hear that and then we don't really think of that in practical terms. But living differently is you know, it's going to show up in, well, everyone's going out to eat tonight. Are we going to do that? Um, you know, everyone went to coffee. I'm going to get a water. Everyone's mm -hmm. going, you know, to all of these. Yeah. Whatever it may be, that's going to be hard whenever your kids get there too. And that is actually going to be something that we talk about on our next financial episode, mm -hmm. which is how to train your kids in all things finance. Yeah. And so we just wanted to recap um, yeah. real quick all 10 points because it's a lot of points, but they're very, very useful. So the first one is that it all starts with your heart. Point two is it all belongs to God. Then we are all extremely wealthy. 
Number four, needs are relative and true need is rare. Point number five, your financial habits significantly impact your marriage. Point six, creating wealth is biblical. Then point seven, it's a greater blessing to give than to receive. Point eight, small changes bring big financial strides. The second last one is that you're always investing, so do it on purpose. And then finally, point number 10 is that you will have to live differently. Yeah. So we just as we leave you here, we want to ask a few questions. And these are just for you to kind of chew on, maybe ask your community and the people who are in your life, maybe talk to your spouse about it. But the first question is, what is one thing that you could change to save $5 per week? And then you could also up that to $25 per Mm -hmm. week or somewhere in between there if you wanted to get crazy. Yeah. And the second one is, do you live in the mindset of being an extremely wealthy person? Why or why not? And that's interesting because we already saw that we're in the top 0.08% essentially Yeah. if you make six figures here. Okay, the third question, what are some things that you thought were needs that might actually just be wants? And that is a hard one. I challenge you to wrestle with that longer than you are comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And then finally, um, that if you're married, how can you better show your spouse appreciation and support in your family's finances? And that's going to be different for wives and husbands, mm-hmm. you know, um, Definitely. yeah, very, very different perspectives, but that's the challenge. Take them as you may. Yeah. And we are really, really grateful that you stuck with us through money talk. I know that this isn't the most fun that some people want to listen Depends to. Depends who you talk to. Yeah. Except for Manfred. He's all about it. But I know that if you listen to this and you really need to make some changes, maybe it was an uphill battle to hear mm-hmm. some of this. Yeah. And we appreciate you. Well, we're really excited and thankful that you joined us. And we're excited that we're going to do a part two for this. And in that part, we're going to talk about how do we train our kids? How do we teach them about money? And just very how practical. to have, yes, very yeah. practical, to have a practical, healthy, biblical relationship with money, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we're excited that you hopefully will join us for that as well. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this discussion and want to support Devoted Family, you can do that by rating us on iTunes and sharing this podcast with your friends and family. If you're exploring who Jesus is and what it would look like to follow Him, we're so glad you're here. The gospel is simple. The Bible isn't the rule book that you've got to obey in order to earn the love of God. It's about God's rescue mission. God created people to enjoy Him, but people think they don't need God to enjoy life. God is wise, perfect, light, and love. When people try to live without Him, they many times choose hatred and darkness. But God doesn't leave us there. He made provision for our sin in such a way that He can still be holy and just, yet also rescue those He loves. He sent Jesus, who claimed to be God, to be the perfect sacrifice as payment in our place. Our world and calendar pivot on Him. God made Him obvious to us when He brought Jesus back to life. This was how God showed that He has the power to deliver us from the cost of sin, which is death. God isn't mad at you. He loves you and wants you to know Him so that you can have life. If you believe this for the first time today or simply want to know more, visit devotedfamily.com forward slash gospel for next steps.